0: All right, we've met here for the purpose of worship, and certainly worship consists of a lot of things, not the least of which is prayer. Uh, I am, uh, of course, appreciative of all of your prayers for Tommy. She, uh quick report, she's uh, sleeping quite a bit, and uh, uh, she is starting to eat a bat bite of food, or one bite, uh, they were kidding me in there because I told her I had fed her a bite of watermelon and a bite of cantaloupe this morning, and then last night I gave her a bite of taco. <laughs> and they said, they being certain people here, you gave her taco? I said, yes, that's what she wanted, you know, in her condition, so we'll we'll cater to her. But overall, she can uh, stand and very, very weak. And, uh, uh, so we'll just continue to pray. And I got to thinking, uh, in our church, that's why I put out this little handout that shows the chart, you know, where you, uh, take in the Bible doctrine, you take in Bible doctrine. It's over here with the lesson plans. And, uh, you get capacity both for blessing as well as for uh, testing. And it's the same chart that we have used in the past. Uh, and I will talk about it a little bit later. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, silent prayer. And then I will close. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and study your word. Guide us and direct us now. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I can, how about a song? And number 272. Let's
1: stand and sing the first, second, and fourth verses that we make.
0: Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you all for that fine singing. And uh, by way of announcements, I plan on having church next Sunday, uh, not uh, the Bible study or the prayer meeting on uh, Wednesday. However, be sure and get you a copy of the prayer list and use it as we're all in need of prayer. Uh, I do have a comment or two about our church. I was thinking about just how many people in our church have had... uh, Problems with reference to either physical, mental, or family, etc. And uh, we're no different, I guess, than everybody else. We all have it, except we are different in this church in that we do take in Bible doctrine, and many churches don't uh, consider it the thing to do. And that's why I had this uh, handout that I provided to you which showed the... the, uh, x and the y and the z axis and most of you will remember that we are positionally perfect you can tell by the top circle uh which uh shows a cross you can't get out of it once you believe on the lord jesus christ you are you are in there you're hermetically sealed you might say but then you have on the x and the y axis you have things to do as you can see on the x axis uh you're going to sin and you're going to be out of fellowship and you're going to name your sin back to God and you're going to get back in fellowship. Thus you have, uh, by way of confession, naming a sin back to God, you are back in fellowship with the Father and thus can be taught by the Spirit, etc. Uh, and that leads you to the Z-axis which shows how we start out uh, with very little capacity for blessing or testing but as we take in the Word of God, we grow toward maturity, never really getting there. So I would suggest if you didn't get a copy of that, get a copy of that because it's so illustrative. It illustrates uh, the Christian life and how it should be uh, led, if you will. Uh, and I always remember what my brother told me, and I've told you this before, he owned, he... Uh, reminded me frequently, he said, Now, Jerry, I don't want that top capacity there because you say it's capacity both for blessing and testing. I'd like to come down where we just get capacity for blessing and we can avoid that testing. And I said, Well, Brother Billy, it just doesn't work that way. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's an excellent chart. <clears throat> really illustrates... Uh, uh, the Christian life. Alright, uh, with the announcement said, let's have another song, can Hymn
1: number 279, let's stand and sing all three verses. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. the
0: Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you all for that fine singing. I did leave out one announcement, and that announcement is that we do have on the board uh, our uh, our report on our website and also on our Todd podcast. Uh, We had over two thousand hits and a tremendous amount of kilobytes. We had a very unusual situation, meaning. A lot of people listened in, we normally have 1,200, 1,400 people who listen in, but we had over 2,000, so uh, that's good. Uh, so thanks to you all who have provided the funds for the website and also the podcast. All right, uh, and in that regard, uh, we do have uh, an aspect of worship called giving. And, uh, you know, we have a little different drill here than most places. We do have two two uh plates here at the front, and there's one at the back. You feel free to seek it out after the church. Try not to put any pressure on anybody whatsoever. In fact, we urge you, if you can't do it cheerfully, that is give, don't give. And uh, uh, if you want to give and you don't have something to give, you can still give according to... Again, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9, which deal with New Testament giving. So, uh, feel free to, at the end of the service, find a plate if, in fact, you can follow the uh, protocol. Now, with reference to the protocol, we're going to have a moment of silent prayer. You think about giving in the event you want to give, and whether you have anything tonight, or not, you can still give. So, uh, let us pray and I will close that moment of silence. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to worship and particularly at this juncture of our service to give. So uh, thank you for both the gift and the giver. For I ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, it was kind of difficult to know where to start since I have, of course, uh, had several cancellations and I have put things on the internet. Whether we canceled the physical church here or not, and we did put uh, lessons on the internet, and I have over here numerous uh, copies of various uh, lesson plans or outlines, as we called them on the website. And, uh, and of course the podcast, by the way, has also been very busy. And the report is in there on the, uh, on the, in the fellowship hall on the bull- bulletin board. All right. Now let's go to our lesson first. Though let's use one John, first John one nine as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to worship and to learn about the rapture of the church. Guide us now and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to do a review first, and uh, that's probably, of course, is necessary given the fact that we've had several days uh, in between where we have... uh And, uh, we had to, had to cancel the church for obvious reasons. All right. Now let's, uh, take a look at our lesson plan under the heading review point there. First, our first point, King Jesus will return to deliver Israel at the end of the tribulation. He will return and that's called his second advent. And uh we noted that in Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. And then Jesus teaches the parable of the fig tree, which we study. Israel is the fig tree, and when the nation again appears, all should know the end is near. And we know the Israel as a nation, uh, that is to say as a nation of God, uh, will not, of course appear until the fig tree appears this is talking about the fig tree at in the end time when christ comes back and of course israel will yeah, no doubt during the tribulation period appear and uh, receive a great deal of of uh, unfortunately testing matthew 24 42 through 35 we noted and talked about A couple of weeks ago, I guess it was. Now, the day and the hour of the second advent is unknown because the time of the rapture is unknown. Once the rapture occurs, the second advent can easily be predicted. The second advent will take place seven years after the rapture. And we observe that in Matthew 24, 36 through 51. And because the rapture is imminent, it will occur before the highly specific traumatic events of the tribulation. Thus, the church will not go through the tribulation. And we noted a couple of charts there. Clearly, the imminent nature of the rapture supports the pre-trib view. Uh, Paul looked for the rapture during his generation. This is one of the scriptures that indicates The imminency of the rapture, meaning it can happen any time. There are no signs left for the rapture. It could take place, uh, before I finish speaking, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for example, which we all, well, I shouldn't say we all memorize, but most of us memorize. For the Lord Himself shall descend from the heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then verse 17 says, Then we which are alive. See, that is a very important verse because Paul believes the rapture could happen while he was alive. So that certainly substantiates the imminency of the rapture. When he says, Then we, Paul and his team, when we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that word there is harpazo. Translated, of course, uh variously, but certainly by the term rapture, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we are, by the way, to comfort one another with these words. So uh, that is, of course, Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica. The church at Thessalonica was a church which was under a great deal of tribulation, punishment, etc., and they needed uh, uh, assurance that they were not in the tribulation. And in fact, there were those who had falsely told them they were in the tribulation. And that's why Paul wrote in the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, which described the events that are going to take place and the imminency of the rapture and the fact that they are not in the tribulation. All right, let's go on now. At the rapture, now this is all review, and I apologize for the distance between the original teaching and, of course, our review, but things happen. All right, at the rapture, I will be so proud if you you know, because notice 1 Thessalonians 2.19 For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? All right, and then we have Paul does not want them anxious about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the general term for the tribulation, millennium, and destruction of planet Earth. And we studied that. The day of Christ is the rapture of the church. The day of Christ is therefore a bad translation. It is better day of the Lord. The day of Christ is the rapture. The day of Christ is the rapture. And it is at hand. It could happen any time. It is imminent. And of course we have in the Bible, however, the Greek is the day of the Lord. It says that the day of the Lord is not at hand, or rather than that it's translated. So I think it best if I just read for you again, the first, second, I said first, second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, in verse two, it says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, or by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, that's the KJV. That's a bad translation. The word is not Christos there. It is kurios. And uh, that has caused much problem because the day of Christ is at hand. It's at hand right now. That's the rapture of the church. Now, let's look and see what happened when they translated an NIV because they had better manuscripts. They didn't have that erroneous translation as I explained earlier. I'll read you the NIV of 2 Thessalonians 2.12. Not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord, notice how Christ has changed the Lord, that the day of the Lord has already come. In other words, someone had either written, someone had come with the message that Paul said, you're in the tribulation, we'll say we're having so much trouble. Or well, we can say that today. I look out and I see people, and I don't see a person here who had not had trouble. A person here who had not had a problem. Some of them two or three. But the point being, or three or four, or whatever. <laughs> the point being, uh, we've all had problems, and so we can all say, "Oh, we must be in the tribulation, you know, because we're having all these problems, you know." And that's why Paul wrote again uh, in in uh, this wonderful book of Second Thessalonians, wonderful chapter, chapter two, verses one through ten, because it summarizes. What is going to happen? It takes all those verses that you find in the Old Testament about the rapture and the second advent and the book of the Revelation and summarizes them in the New Testament, uh, which is most, most helpful. So let's go on now. We're still in review. Like I say, I have covered this, but I realize it's been some time. So we're we're going over it again. Alright, Second Thessalonians 2 3. I just reviewed 2 2. I gave you the KJV, showed you the bad translation. I gave you the NIV, which shows you the accurate translation. Alright, now let no man, this is verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's the rapture, as interpreted by most eschatological experts, and that man of sin, that's the Antichrist, be revealed the son of perdition. In other words, he's asking them, do you see the Antichrist today? Talking to those who live in Thessalonica who are getting such terrible punishment. Alright, uh, he's he's asking them that question. And then it's going to, we're going to get a description of this Antichrist. So, first the falling away which can also be translated taking away, which of course would be the rapture of the church. Did you see that happen? Well, if you didn't see that happen, you're not in the tribulation. Though there are people who are post-tribulationists who actually believe the church is going to go through the tribulation. All right, let's look at verses 4, reading through verse 9. Describes the Antichrist, who opposeth, and remember, he's asking them, do you see him around? He's, he's uh, posing the question so that they'll wake up and understand you're not in the tribulation. Tribulation is seven years after the, I mean, the tribulation is a seven year period that follows, of course, the rapture of the church. Alright, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God? That's the Antichrist. That is worship. So that as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And of course, he's asking, do you see the temple? Well, you don't see the temple now. It's not there. But it will be there during the tribulation. And then he reminds them, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. This is the pastor's lament. Sometimes we speak and sometimes we're not heard. And Paul says, I told you. I taught you this. And then he says, And now you know what withholder that He might be revealed in His time. And I'm sure most of you will remember what that is. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit keeps all of these bad things from happening uh, because He lives in us. In each and every one of us. But Now when we leave... Which we will at the rapture because the Holy Spirit is in us, then that opens the floodgates for the Antichrist and the false prophet and all the crazy things and evil things and bad things that go on during the tribulation. And then he says, For this, for the mystery of iniquity hath already worked. And of course, we see it today. Do you see internationalism prevailing? Of course, you remember now, the Antichrist will be a big time. Internationalist, He will want to have one world government. And uh, that is not what the Bible teaches, of course. Uh, of course, Isaiah describes him as the one who weakens the nations. And it says, for the, but the mystery is there. You see the United Nations. You see UNICEF. You see all the things going on. At the, how our leaders want us all to become part of the one world as opposed to nationalism, which is the fourth divine divine institution. Uh, So on and on. Here we go. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So you and I are what withholdeth because the Holy Spirit lives in us. All right. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's what happens at the rapture. There goes the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's in us and we're gone. We meet the Lord in the air. For the Lord Himself shall descend from the heavens with the shout, with the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ shall rise first and the trumpet of God shall sound. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then, says the Scripture, shall that wicked one, the Antichrist, be revealed... Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. All right, let me read you uh Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse two Uh, again, just for emphasis, because it is so important and it is so often misinterpreted. First, the King James Version, which is the erroneous translation, because they didn't have the better manuscripts as they did in 1950 when the NIV was written. It said, "...that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, As from us, that is Paul and his team or any member of his team, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Well, remember now, Christ is a bad translation. It should be day of the Lord because the day of Christ is at hand. That's the rapture. That's when Christ returns. Now, let's look and see how it was corrected in the New International Version. Not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come and we define the day of the Lord up there on the top of the page in the paragraph that begins with Paul does not want them anxious and uh, it's explained the day of Christ is the rapture and it is at hand and the Greek is day of the Lord kurios not Christos. Alright, now let's go on with the bottom of the page. You see, the one who us is God the Holy Spirit. Clearly, since He indwells all believers, His removal at the rapture will make possible the work of the Satan-indwelt Antichrist and all of the events that he will implement. So the wicked one, therefore, in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 is the Antichrist. And Perusia, translated coming, is used for the second advent when the Antichrist will be placed in the lake of fire. And then just kind of like an interim, a little stopover, I put in the regular dispensation chart. And you can see that chart and you know that chart. You've seen that chart before, no doubt. And it's everything on that chart must take place. There is nothing on that chart that is not going to take place. And so you can see how it's divided up into ages. You have age one, which uh, some people call the Gentile age, uh, because there are no Jews there. The Jews are not selected until, again, the, uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse 3, when Abraham becomes the first Jew. But there's no Jews in that Gentile age. And there's this age too, which is the Jewish age, which includes a sub-age called the Kingdom Age. That's when Christ came and presented His kingdom. And there are those who divided up into the Patriarch Age and then, of course, the Age of the Law. But it's the Age of Israel. Uh, and, of course, then Christ offered His kingdom to Israel and Israel rejected it. Rejected. As John said, uh, He came unto His own Israel, but His own Accepted him not. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. So the kingdom age will last until some say the cross, others say 70 A.D. I tend to yield to 70 A.D. when the, uh, the, the temple is destroyed, Jerusalem is destroyed, and the Jews are completely chased out from the Holy Land. And they sent all over the world. That's when Rome uh, defeats Israel. And that begins, I guess you could say, the church age. Where we live, the age of grace. And of course, I put in there 96 AD. That's when the canon of Scripture was completed. And the church age will end with the rapture of the church. As we are studying, it will last seven years. It's going to last in two years. Three and one half year periods, one thousand two hundred and sixty days, uh, using the Jewish calendar. And in the first half, it's called the the uh, Satan's failed utopia. That's where you have the two witnesses who are operating Moses and Elijah. And then you have, in the middle of the tribulation, the two witnesses are are uh, killed. They're laid out in in a uh, display. And you'll remember that uh, uh, when all of a sudden they are raised up to heaven and uh, you hear the voice of the Lord and uh, then you have an earthquake in Jerusalem which is where they are laid out and uh, they actually are celebrated. People march around them. They exchange gifts because they got rid of Moses and Elijah who were reincarnated. And... Uh, Seven thousand people die in Jerusalem on that day. And then, of course, you have the second advent at the end of the tribulation when Christ comes back, sets up his one thousand year reign of perfection. You see the new Jerusalem up above that, the land of perfection. That's where we'll be living. We'll all have great seats. We'll be able to watch the events down. As we have perfection for 1,000 years until the very end of the tribulation. And then you'll remember uh, Satan and his demons had been chained for most of the tribulation period. But at the end of the tribulation they will be permitted to come out and uh, go about the earth and convince everybody that Christ wasn't the answer. They could even make it better. Sounds like some of our politicians today, don't they? You can get it just about right, and everybody says, well, let's change. And they change. But the point being, uh, they will march then again to try to kill Jesus a second time. But he won't even give them the time of day. And uh, he will execute all of them and uh, cast them into the lake of fire. And then we will have the destruction of planet Earth. And it will be destroyed by fire. And uh, then we'll have the great white throne when all unbelievers are brought before the great white throne where Christ will judge them all and cast them into the lake of fire. So that's just kind of a little interim I threw in. Excuse me. I threw in there for you. It's our regular dispensation chart. When we have several of them, by the way. But this is uh, one that uh, we use most often. Alright now, for shame in a resurrection body at the rapture is a true oxymoron. Notice 1 John 2.22 And now little children, abide in Him that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not to be ashamed before Him at His coming. And that will be a wonderful day when He returns, of course. And of course we'll be as... Church age, folks, will be raptured. We'll meet Him in the air. And we uh, will uh, certainly meet those who preceded us in death. They will be brought back by Christ. And uh, we will get resurrection bodies. And we'll look at a resurrection body chart here in a minute. Alright, now let's look at another word. See, we were going through looking at the various words translated rapture or translated some other way because you ha- that's what causes the difficulty and everybody not being pre-trib because there's so many words that are used what I call technically and non-technically. But let's take a look at this word apocalypsis. So you people who elected to reject Christ, do you think you are going to escape judgment at the great white throne? Not on your life. The very interesting thing, however, about the great white throne is people are not judged according to their sin. Why? Why are people not judged according to their sin? Unbelievers I'm talking about now. Uh, And that's because sin was taken care of on the cross. Christ died for the sins of the world. So they will be judged for their works. And that's all in the book of the Revelation. Again, Revelation chapter twenty. Let's look at Romans 2, 3. It says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, other people, in other words, and yet you do the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now remember we have over in Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 an emphatic statement that we are not to judge other people. We're pretty prone to do that are we not from time to time judge others but we should not as the Scripture says, lest ye be judged. Okay, we've been through the review. Now let's go to new material. And there's our order of the Resurrections chart. Order of the resurrection. I've got the various ages laid out there. We have the Gentile age. You saw that on the other chart. The age of Israel. You saw that. The hypostatic union or the kingdom age as we called it on the other chart. Hypo means under, and static means to stand. It's when Christ stood under. That's what hypostatic means. That's what comes from the Greek word hypostasis. All right, uh, and then we have, of course, the church age, which we saw, the tribulation, which we saw, the millennium, which we saw, and eternity, which we saw. In other words, after the, the earth is destroyed and the great white throne takes place, then you have eternity future. All right, now let's take a look at the resurrection. We're talking about now resurrection bodies. That's what we're talking about. All right, we have, and I like what Colonel Thiem used to say. He used to say that uh, uh, the various resurrections are better called battalions, an old military term. That's usually where you had a lieutenant colonel in charge of a battalion. It was the the smallest fighting, excuse me, Wasn't the smallest fighting unit, but unit. But it was uh, like a complete unit that had everything you need to go to battle in a battalion. So Colonel Theme called those battalions like you see. The first, the first Resurrection Body, the only Resurrection Body right now is Christ. So we'll call that Battalion One. So you can write battalion, one over Christ if you want to, but it or just a Roman numeral one. Uh, It's the first, and it's the only one right now. There is no other resurrection body right now other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, the second one will be at the end of the church age with the rapture of the church. Hopefully, that will be us. Uh, And if not us, we will die and we will go up to heaven in a soul body and... When the rapture occurs, we'll come back with the Lord Jesus, and we will get our resurrection body. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the air, and they'll get theirs. For example, if uh, the rapture occurred before I finish speaking, before I turn this microphone off, uh, we would meet the Lord in the air, but guess who would come first? That would be those who preceded us in death. And they would have their resurrection body, the very unusual body. And, uh, and we will meet them in the air and we'll get our resurrection body. And as I've said before, I don't like that because my brother will get his before I get mine, you know. And I don't like that But because uh, he, he passed again earlier, oddly enough, uh, of, of cancer of the pancreas. So uh, it's, it's a family affair. Alright, now let's go on here. We got the Battalion 2 is the church, and then uh, we have the tribulation period. That's what happens after the rapture of the church. Seven years of tribulation. I refer you to the chart that we just looked at. Two, three, and one half year periods. The first half called the three, called Satan's Failed Utopian. I like to call it that. And then the last three and a half years, is the great tribulation. That's when all Billy Heck breaks loose. And, of course, it will end, as you know, with the, the millennium. Now, oddly enough, the saints who go into the millennium, believers only, you know, go into the millennium. Nobody but a believer goes into the millennium. And uh, they go into the millennium and live on planet Earth with the Lord Jesus Christ in absolute perfection until the very end of the millennium, but it's a 1,000-year period. And uh, they don't get a resurrection body. It couldn't possibly because because there are children who are born in the millennium. You have children, in other words, only believers go into it, but soon children are born. Some of them believe. Others don't believe. And uh, that's... uh, Why they're not, they don't get a resurrection body because there's no gender distinction in a resurrection body. No male or female. But there is down there on earth during the millennium. And we've been over that before. We've had the doctrine of the millennium. We've had the doctrine of the tribulation. uh, And this is somewhat of a review, but something that needs to be reviewed from time to time. So during the millennium then, you'll have all these folks in the, Interestingly enough, some of these children may not be believers, but if they act up and they destroy perfect environment, then capital punishment is implemented by the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are, of course, uh, executed. So that is, again, an interesting uh, phenomenon that occurs for those who don't think capital punishment is appropriate. Alright, now at the end of the millennium, the thousand year reign, I already told you what happens. Satan gets released for a time. He tries to convince everybody they need to kill Christ again. Christ doesn't give them the time of day, uh, but uh, executes them all. And uh, that's at the end of the millennium. Now it is then, and you can mark three marks, in other words, a Roman numeral three, over millennial saints, because that's when they get their resurrection body. And then we have eternity future. And you can see, uh, great white throne. I've already told you that it's a time where Christ is the judge. He's the only one can be the judge. He's, he earned it. But he, of course, judges all unbelievers and then casts them into the lake of fire. Alright, let's proceed on now with new material. Get some Bible doctrine in your soul so you can use your gift to produce divine good while you wait for the Lord's return. Notice 1 Corinthians 1, seven, So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, of course at the rapture of the church because after the rapture of the church there is what we call in the Greek the Bema. It's translated judgment seat of Christ. And it is there that believers get their works evaluated. You can find that of course in 1 Corinthians chapter three verses uh, actually uh, one through seven. But uh I'll get there in a minute. Uh but it's a time when all the things that you and I have done In the power of the Spirit, because of motivated by Bible doctrine, we're going to get a reward. And it's called a stephanos. It's a crown. And with the crown at the time of the Roman Empire, certain really nice things went with it. So you can imagine the pleasant things that will happen when you have done something. Let's say that you've done something that Bible doctrine tells you to do, and you went ahead and did it. And you had named your sin back to God at that time. So you're now going to get a reward. Well, you're going to get a large monetary stipend. In addition to that monetary stipend, you're going to get a landed estate. I always like to say, you know, about three or four hundred acres of Blackland Prairie on the Brazos River between Waco and College Station. But, uh, you get this really nice home and also you get a, uh, you're free from taxation. No longer are you going to have to pay any taxes. And then uh, in addition to that, you get a ticker tape parade in your hometown. Now, how do I know that? Because the word Stefanos can be traced historically, and that's what happened when a military hero, Medal, Honor, Medal of Honor winner who wasn't left behind, let's say, and uh, uh, he uh, has... Uh, uh, he received the following things. A Roman soldier, hero, maybe an Olympic athlete. He would receive those four things. A stephanoi, which is the plural of stephanos. And that's how we know what you get. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that you get that. But it's tr- the trip you're trying to convey to you is going to be really nice. Really, really nice. So you shouldn't do it for that reason, but wouldn't be a bad reason to do it for if you want something really nice when you die or the rapture occurs, whichever occurs first. But that's the believer's judgment. All right, and we'll see more of that later on uh, in the Scripture. All right, Jesus will be our Terminator, justly rewarding our enemies at the second advent. Notice 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, and to you who are troubled, remember those Thessalonians were troubled. They thought they were in the gone tribulation. Who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. All right, now let's look at this heading, Get Ready for the Rapture. First Peter 1, 7 through 10. That's a message to us, of course. Peter said that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That would be, of course, the rapture. Whom having not seen, interesting, isn't it? Says you've not seen God. If any of you have seen God, you better check yourself in to the hospital. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come to you. Now verse 13, dropping down to 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation, that's our word, apocalypsis, of Jesus Christ. Alright, if suffering right now, and many of us are, count it a blessing at the rapture, you will be very glad you suffered. Well, I look forward to that because I, don't, I can't picture that right now. But uh, you look forward to your suffering. Alright. right. First Peter 4.13 But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, there is apocalypse, our word, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Alright, now let me show you things to come. Okay? Revelation 1.1 1, 1, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto Him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and be saint, excuse me, sent and signified it by his angel unto the servant John. That's just introducing the book of the Revelation, telling us John wrote the book of the Revelation. That's the Apostle John. God said, I'm going to show you some things, and I want you to record what I show you. These will be things that you can see. And that's how apocalypsis is used there. Now, we're looking at words that can be translated uh, or can describe the rapture. Uh, And we are now down to epiphania. We've looked at apocalypsis. And uh, we looked at one other word earlier. Alright, now let's see epiphania. The word is used some six times in the New Testament. It says the Antichrist will not have a chance at the second advent. Good news. Second Thessalonians 2.8 And then shall that wicked one be revealed. The word there for revelation or revealed is apocalypsis. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So all the problems that you see now in this world that are caused by old Satan because he is absolutely incompetent. He cannot run the show. And as a result, you see many, many things going on today which just reveal his incompetency. All right, so here we go. Answer the bell, a boxing term. Even if you are so tired, you can't lift your arms. I don't know for those of you who box in the golden gloves, but one of the things that you do is you train so hard because you can get in there and you can be so tired that you can't raise your arms. And that is, uh, that's terrible when you can't raise your arms and the other guy can. All right. Answer the bell even if you're so tired you can't lift your arms. Christ was our example before the jack leg king Pontius Pilate, but you just wait. This is a reference. To first the rapture and then the second advent, the brightness of his coming. In other words, verse 12 of 1st Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now verse 13, 14, and 15, we'll see Epiphania used there in verse 14. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Now you see it used there in verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So do your job, because Christ is coming. Don't lose any of your rewards, says 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. I'm going to read 1, 2, and 3. It says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing, there's our word, and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season mean when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Alright, there is a crown for church-age believers who reach spiritual maturities. 2 Timothy 4.7 I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them who love his appearance. So this world is not our home. Remember that song, don't you? Just keep looking for the rapture. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. There's nobody that goes to hell because they didn't hear. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing there is our word, epiphania, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Alright, we're going to pick up here next week the Lord Willing and the Crick Doesn't Rise with a description of why are we pre-tribulation raptures rather than post-tribulation raptures, rather than mid-tribulation raptures, rather than amillennialist. Alright, I'm going to dedicate the closing of this this service to anyone who may be without Christ without hope and without eternal life, whether they be here or whether they be out there with the 2,100 people who are listening to us on the internet or on the podcast. So uh, we've got uh, nearly 2,200 people who, who listen to us, and uh, it's important for us to get the salvation message out. So with your head bowed, I would ask you would pray that the Word of God would have full effect. And whether you close your eyes or not, or you look up or you look down, it's totally immaterial. I don't care. But pray that the Word of God would have full effect. Because it's most important. Why? Because all have come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son,
1: that whosoever
0: believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He came unto his own Israel, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And it's totally by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So right where you are, whatever you might be doing, you can tell God the Father, I am believing on God the Son, and on the promise of the Word, you will be saved. That's simple. You will be saved. You don't have to jump through any psychological hoops. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to promise God you're not going to do it anymore. Whatever you're doing. But the point being, just faith alone in Christ alone. Why? Because He did it all. So little for us because it was so tough for Him. The Son of God becoming man, taking our place on the cross. I'll pause for just a moment and then I will provide our benediction. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together to study Your Word. Now guide and direct us throughout the rest of this week and I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have presented, make it real in order that we might become more like our Lord and Savior. In his name I pray. Amen.